You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal. Reminding you, you can follow us on Twitter, both at Locked On WBB and, of course, over at High Post Hoops, where we're doing 24-7 coverage of women's basketball. Make sure you follow us there as well, because there's a lot of stories to be told, past, present, and future. Uh, and we're here to talk to Chloe Pavlik today, who uh, is doing some really vital work uh, to tell those stories. Chloe, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Howard, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on the podcast. So the, the place to start, I think, is let's talk about what's going on with Overtime and She Hoops, which is uh, a really interesting uh, stream that you started and now uh, is part of Overtime's uh, efforts in the women's basketball sphere. So let's take the listeners through what maybe they don't know yet uh, about the new outlet. Right. So I think it's important that we sort of take it back to when She Hoops Network was first created. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus Crenshaw, who is actually a WNBA agent and also has a sports marketing company for WNBA players, He's someone that has always been very passionate about the women's game. Um, he decided to start the Hoops Network based on the fact that you see all of these accounts for men, how there are highlights all about them, showing their games, showcasing their talents. And he's like, there's not really an outlet like that for women. And of course, people would want to see that. And of course, girls would send in highlights and different things like that because there is actual footage out there but there just wasn't a space for it. So mm-hmm. he kind of ran the idea by me, and I was like, oh, my God, that's a great idea. I don't know why anyone has never thought of that. Um, so then kind of fast-forwarding to how much he really grew She Hoops Network, and I was just able to help him out a lot. And we just had these different ideas that we bounced off of each other, and he was like a mentor to me. And then over time had approached Marcus about potentially – collaborating together and then fast forwarding from there Marcus sold the company um, this past fall to overtime and um, if you read the article I said that I was actually a little bit nervous just because you know we really wanted women's basketball to always be at the forefront right. but to be honest it was probably the best move that She Hoops Network could have ever done because now that we do have overtime WVB there's so many more resources that overtime can help us with and so much more coverage that we're able to actually give to the women's game, not just on the court, but off the court as well, too. And that's the biggest thing. We really just want to grow the game. And this is something that I wish would have been around when I was playing. I mean, that, had- oh, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say, like, what you touched on, it's vital. We were talking a little bit about this off air before we came on, which is to say that there are people who say they support women's basketball, and then there are people who are doing it in practice and making sure that we're aligning with the people who are dedicated to making this happen and making sure that there's the growth that needs to happen is really vital. But obviously, you, you bring bona fides to the table as someone who has lived it, as someone who uh, played for Brenda Fries, as someone who was coached under Gina Oriema. And so the opportunity to be able to expand into media, I think, is really interesting. Uh, and, and it's almost less about coverage per se and more about sort of creating that uh, specific social sphere. Do you feel like there's a chance to democratize how people 
follow and care about women's basketball by virtue of this sort of direct interaction of being able to see what players are doing and what they have to say from an early age? Absolutely. I think the coolest part about overtime WBB is the fact that anyone can see it. Girl, guy, older, younger, it doesn't really matter. If you have access to social media, this is something that you can see every day. And so many people share the different content that we post, which I think is the best part about social media. Like I said earlier, that anyone is able to see it. And I'd say the biggest thing is people don't watch TV every day like they used to, right? Mm -hmm. Even some of the women's games, I'd say the bigger games, a lot of people watch, but you know, there are other games that are always going on on TV that people don't get to see. So us being able to pull highlights from that or us being able to tell a social story of just something really big that happened, for example, with Miami beating Notre Dame last night, right? Mm -hmm. We think that so many people would know about it, hear about it, but when we posted uh, the clip last night, everyone was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I didn't even see this game. I didn't even know they were playing. Even though that's the number 25 team taking down the number four team, you would think that would be a really big deal in women's basketball, and it is, but a lot of it is that people just don't really know, and I think that's what's been really special is we've been able to kind of bring that insight and really um, really kind of tip the scale in terms of just bringing all of that coverage. I mean, that's the key, right? Because that happens on the men's side, and there is this vast sports media network that gets the word out. There's this vast sports media network that tells everyone, so it's in the air you breathe. You cannot miss it. And, you know, creating that infrastructure on the women's side, you know, like you said, is so vital. Uh, I, I, I want to take you back if I can, to something you wrote about uh, in your Medium piece, uh, which everyone should read and everyone should know why Chloe's doing what she's <laughs> doing right now as far as I'm concerned. Thank but you, you, you talked about your first WNBA game. And, and, and I love this story, not least of which uh, because it, it features Elena Beard, of course, being very much herself <laughs> and, uh, and being gracious. But take me through, where was it and what was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was back when... Um she was on the Mystics, mm-hmm. and I'll never, I'll just never forget the game and just the experience that I had, and that was one of my first WNBA games. And um, my how old how old were you when this happened? I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt. I was just I'd yeah. say probably I want to say around fifth grade, hmm. maybe. Yeah. I think yeah, I want to say around fifth grade. But I could be wrong. I would have to, I would have to double back on that. But, but do you do you know how you were introduced to it? I'm I'm just really curious about sort of what that pipeline was like for you, for for you to be exposed to. You know, so I, I have two children who are four and eight, and they're exposed to it because it's daddy's work, and so I can I can show them, and they know about it at an early age. But their friends aren't necessarily hearing about the WNBA or women's college basketball in the same way. Absolutely. I um, I can definitely speak on that. I So I was a true gym rat, and um, any chance that I had to go see people play, especially older girls play, mm-hmm. I would always do it. So I would train with a lot of um, 
with a lot of girls who were significantly older than me at the time. So I would go to a lot of high school and varsity games in Cincinnati because I really looked up to these girls. And so my mom, she would get season tickets for, like, the Xavier women's basketball games. I think we even had season tickets for UC basketball games. Mm -hmm. And um, we would try to get to a fever game every once in a while. Um, And I think I had an AAU tournament in D.C., that weekend it was in the summer and we looked up to see when the mystics play and it just so happened that it worked out with our aau schedule and so our entire team went to go see them play because we were all obsessed um with basketball and i think for everyone except one person it was their first WNBA game Mm -hmm. um so it was just really cool we were really young the atmosphere was great. And, of course, when you're that young, you're all about the autographs, the pictures, and everything like that. So I remember we tried to get down um, to the court, and we couldn't get we couldn't get to see her and the other players. And then the security card had given us a tip like, hey, this is the garage that all the players come out of. I would stand outside there, and I'm sure if you stop them, they'll be happy to sign an autograph for you. Right. So after the game it felt like hours that we waited for them and um i just remember alana beard pulling out i think it was a green mustang too she was pulling out i know it was a convertible and um we all like just stood right in front of uh, the exit and we were like stop the car and um she just kind of like laughed a little bit and then she got out and she signed all of our t-shirts she took pictures and it was so great, and it was just a great way to cap off um, that type of experience because, you know, you enjoy the game, and then to be, to be able to actually see and meet your favorite player as well is just incredible. I mean, it, it, it's striking, and again, it goes back to what we were talking about uh, with the new outlook and, and the work in general, which is finding these additional ways to connect to the game uh, is what makes people basketball lifers, you know, in just some fundamental ways. So I, I think the flip side of it, and I think what's really interesting to me about what you're doing as well, is that you are getting uh, essentially viral sensations from an early age. You're getting players into the mainstream, into the, in, into the bloodstream of uh, the sports uh, fans' consciousness right away and early on. And so... How do you go about determining who is doing that? How, is, how has that outreach been? And, uh, you know, who are you sort of most excited about bringing into the mainstream consciousness of the people who are working with you? I would say the biggest, when you talk about viral sensations, um, and we talk about how cool it is, that we're able to shed light on these young players that are so good so that people are able to follow them from this young age mm-hmm. to hopefully all the way throughout their professional careers. And I think when you do that, when you're able to build an audience, that's also how you build a bigger fan base, right? So I think of someone like a Fran Believe, who, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't heard of her, then you're probably sleeping under a rock. <laughs> yes. because she is someone who I'd say is the future of women's basketball, right? She's catching alley-oops. She's able to dunk effortlessly. Mm-hmm. Things that we haven't necessarily seen before, especially at her size, with being only 6'1". But the coolest part about her story is 
she just started playing basketball at 15 years old. So she's only been playing basketball for three years. And that was something that we decided was very important for people to know about her because if she is going to be someone that people follow and is going to be that really face of the women's game, we want people to know her story. And I think that's the coolest part, being able to dive deeper into the actual athletes, know about them, especially now with kind of the wave of sports and how it's going and how much more of a voice that athletes have Mm -hmm. and how important it is for other people to know that they are more than basketball. And that's what overtime message is all about. They really want to get past just the fact that these are athletes and they're making these cool sick plays. They really want to bring out the stories in these young women and these young men. And, and that, that's what I love most. I mean, it's so vital to my mind because, again, when you think about sort of the pattern that's set on the men's sports side, we all know what Steph Curry is on the court, but we also, you know, we've come to know Riley, you know, and we've come to know Curry off the court as well. And it's just another means by which people are connected to and therefore consuming and uh, a part of the overall atmosphere of um, success that comes on the men's sports side. And so making sure that there's this structure of, and everyone understands, um, you know, the, these women can play. And then there's the superstructure of like, look at who these women are as people is so vital, I think, to being able to make sure that they connect. I, I, I mean, you've actually uh, seen up close what it means to get that kind of coverage on a regular basis, uh, I feel like, with uh, the UConn program and the fact that the UConn women's basketball program is covered in a way that, uh, to be frank, most women's basketball programs and most WNBA teams are not covered uh, as well. And, and I just I wonder whether that has played a part in uh, your evolution and seeing uh, where this needs to go is the way in which UConn women's basketball is covered going back a couple of decades now, frankly. Yeah. I mean, when I think about UConn women's basketball and I think of the way that UConn has been able to grow their fan base so that they are a national brand. Everyone, it doesn't matter what sport you play, you know, you know, UConn women's basketball. You may not know all the players, but you know just how elite they are in everything they do. And one of the great things I think Coach Ariyama and Associate Head Coach Chris Daly have done is being able to build on top of that. So the fact that everyone wants to know their story, the fact that there's always so much coverage for every single game. And it's not that other teams don't have very interesting stories. It's just that they've been able to capture the world's attention. And Mm -hmm. that's something that's incredible. And like you said, it's really unheard of for the women's basketball space. But in the men's game, it's kind of like that from top to bottom so in our minds we're thinking that with overtime WBB if we're able to showcase some of these stories even just a little bit or point out some of the really great things in women's basketball we can help draw the audience even more because when I think about something like a She Hoops Network the original goal of She Hoops Network was to make sure that every person in the women's basketball community knew about it right and then I think of something, say, 
something like an overtime WBB, and that's been the great part about overtime is between Zach and Dan, um, the founder and the CEO, mm-hmm. they've been able to put in my mind, like, hey, you're able to grow the women's game so much bigger and not just have it be the women's basketball community, but the world. And that's what we want people to see every single time. We want people from all over to really start caring and knowing more about the women's game because the women's game has been cool for a very long time. It's just now people are actually starting to see it because, I mean, Howard, you know this, the game has been undercovered for far too long and underrepresented for quite some time Mm -hmm. and we're just hoping with something like this people will get more invested and really understand just how great the women's game is i mean it's no magic trick it's it's simply (laughs) providing the same level of coverage the same level of investment you know people treat it as this like crazy ephemeral thing like geez how do we figure out a way to do this it's like you treat it the same way and you give it the same opportunity uh and of course it's going to grow and so so i i think it's wonderful I, i i i guess i wonder when you think about where you want this collaboration to be two years from now, you know, you know, three years from now. Where do you see it going, and where should it be? You know, what what are what are your long term goals for the project? Uh, to be honest, Howard, it's such a tough question because originally when we kind of when we went on with overtime WBB, I was very big on okay, like what's next? What's next? Hmm. What should we be doing? How do we make this grow even quicker? Um, da, da, da. And Zach has been very, very um, persistent about just keeping the message the same across the board, getting us out there, doing what we are still doing, remaining authentic. And he's like, everything else will sort of come over time. To be honest, even where overtime WCB is right now if you would have told me this I'd say three years ago when um, Marcus and I were first working on it not that I wouldn't have thought that it would be to this level already but I thought it was going to take so much longer so much longer to really grow and understand because this is something that is very new to the women's space because I feel like she hoops network right now well, before we made the name change, was already the largest platform for up-and-coming women's basketball players. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hoping is that people will see overtime WBB and maybe a company like a Slam or even even a Bleacher Report will make a separate space for women and put investments into that. Right? Yes. I I want other companies to understand how important it is and not just the fact that it could be a money maker for their company. It's just an overall great investment and it's something that needs to happen. Young girls need to see people that look like them. Right? And, and and regularly, not, not some other, exactly. not some special, every once in a while, uh, let's roll right. this out. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we have it every once in a while, but the regular, the real sports is the men. Uh, that distinction is made all too often in so many different sports media outlets. Exactly, and to your point, right, so featuring 
a woman's prayer once a month or once mm-hmm. a week or however often you do that. That's not, that's not doing anything for the game, right? It, it's just not. If you are going to be, and you and I talked about this earlier, because you are someone that does it. If you are someone who is truly about growing the game and promoting the game, you have to be consistent because people in the women's basketball community are going to know if you're about it or if you're not. Mm-hmm. And that is something that is very easy across the board um, for us to figure out. And that's something that's been so great. Like I told you earlier about overtime is they are truly committed to the vision. So I want other people to understand the coverage that the women's game needs. But not only that, truly commit to it and truly commit to grow the game. So that's kind of my long roundabout answer to your question on what I hope to see in the next few years. No, it's I don't, important though. I don't yeah. want it to just be about our company, right? Mm-hmm. I want it to be about the game as a whole. And that's what I want to see from other companies and other people in the women's space to finally truly give women a voice and give them the coverage that we deserve. It's not. It's not a little space in the sandbox. It's about expanding for everyone. I and and to be frank, the other side of that is, as far as I'm concerned, the more outlets there are, the more coverage there will be. I mean, no, no one thinks, gee, somebody's written a LeBron James story, so I guess we're all done. There doesn't need to be another LeBron James no. story. There's always more and more breeds more, and the level of interest is based on uh, people's uh, ability to access the information uh, on a regular basis. So I totally agree. And yes, that's why there's this part of me in the back of my mind, uh, National Girls and and Women in Sports Day. I like it, but it's also really a day. We got got one day for that. You know, I mean, the it's every day is National Boys and Men's in Sports Day. You know, we got that 365 a year. So I don't know, one day. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not sure I can sign on for that, but uh, you know, we'll start with one and expand to the other three sixty four together. So before I let you go, let tell the listeners all the ways they can follow uh, and the best ways they can support what you're doing here. So right now, the best way they can support overtime WBB, whether you are social media savvy or not, um, please follow the account on Instagram. Um, whether you're extremely interested in women's hoops or not, um, I promise you, if you just watch a couple things that we've done, um, you will become a fan of overtime WBB and more importantly, the women's game. So recently we've done a story on um, Jamad Sin, who is a Muslim Somali player. And um, just the growth and the coverage she's been able to bring to that community Mm -hmm. um, just off the strength of not only her skills, but her voice and her passion. And um, we actually picked up that story from LW Productions, someone who is also very big in the women's basketball community. That's Wayne Wayne Um, Gathers. I've had the chance to work with Wayne over at High Post Tubes too. Yeah. 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 Wayne is awesome. So that's, that's one thing that I do want to mention. Um, so one thing that I do, I try to look at what every single, not every single person, but so many people, women's basketball writers, um, people who cover the game, I try to look at all the stories that they write to see like, oh my gosh, how could we do something for Overtime WBB that showcases this in a way where 
it's easy for young people to understand and also remain engaged and be very interested in it because yeah. that's one thing that the platform is really big on being able to voice some of these messages in a voice that young people are able to understand so if they could please follow the account um, and follow overtime on Twitter YouTube Instagram Snapchat because um, there's going to be a lot more women covered um, and I'm really excited to be a part of it I'm actually honored and proud that I can be a part of hopefully changing and hopefully women getting more and more coverage. Uh, it's music to my ears and I know to, to our listeners as well. So, I mean, really, Chloe, I'm between playing for Brenda, coaching uh, under Gino, everything you're doing already, uh, it's just so impressive. So, uh, honored to have you here on the program and thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us about this. Howard, thank you so much and anytime I'd love to be back on. So, I really appreciate everything that you do for the women's game is so so important and i just want to make sure you know that it doesn't go unnoticed and it's been a pleasure to be on your podcast it's my pleasure visit us anytime